Here's the caveat. I'm not a financial advisor. I make fun of Gopniks. However, we are able to uh, set up what is known as a super fund that we manage by ourselves. We become the trustee or the person in charge of the super fund and we make the decisions of what and where and how the money inside that superannuation fund is spent. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate growth. Today's show, we're going to code crack superannuation. Yes, we're going to dig into a very interesting topic, the idea of having your own self-managed super fund. I'm going to let you know which bits I can talk about. And of course, I am not licensed to give advice around superannuation. It is my caveat to getting started today. Please do not take any of what I'm about to tell you as advice. I am not a financial advisor. I am a property investor that makes fun of Gopniks. So my advice is go and see a financial advisor. But I want to give you my superannuation story And before we get started, I want to welcome all those new members to the Urban Property Investor Podcast. I've seen plenty of great little comments, people leaving reviews. Thank you for your reviews. I've got all sorts of reviews, one-star reviews, five-star review. I've got a four-star review. Uh, Hey, I'm happy with that. If you think I'm worth four, if you think I can do better, give me a four-star review. There's always room for improvement. Let's face it, I think... uh, I get the four. I get the four. At first, I didn't understand the four. Now I get the four. There is always room for improvement in life, and I'm prepared to improve for you, my listeners. Hey, I tell you what, uh, COVID keeps jumping out of its box, doesn't it? It's a bit annoying. Um, It's always around. What's the best thing about COVID? I I think the best thing about COVID has been hand sanitizer. I feel like I'm constantly sanitizing my hands, which which I love. Uh, now I'm like have some sort of, I don't know, perversion to hand sanitizer. Everywhere I go, I want to sanitize my hands. I think it really has helped society with the common cold. Uh, I don't know if it stops COVID, but I kind of feel like people have less colds now. Perhaps we were dirty. Were we a dirty people? I think we were. I think society was actually a little bit dirty and we didn't realize it. Uh, we were catching a lot of colds. There was a lot of sniffles going around. You walk down the street, someone would sneeze as you were walking past. Now, no, now that's a bit taboo. Even if you have a little sniffle, you can't go outside, can you? You're you're seen as a as a, as an alien if you go outside with the sniffle. I think, uh, if anything, despite you know, the various impacts of COVID-19 and, of course, the more serious impacts of COVID-19 on uh, on many people. Hey, it's created a cleaner world. We are now hand sanitizing. We are now uh, absolutely, um, you know, monitoring and evaluating our health. And uh, 
I still think there's the odd wombat out there that, uh, yeah, could probably do with a lesson or two in social etiquette. But for the most part, I think uh, we've learned a lot from COVID-19. And uh, hopefully this time next year, we will be talking about something completely new, not COVID-19. I would imagine uh, the herd immunity might start to actually take place this time next year, which I'm looking forward to. I want to be part of the herd. I'm ready to be injected. I've put my name down for an injection and uh, hopefully we can uh, get that in my bloodstream very soon. Hey, enough about me. If it's your first time tuning in, remember, you got to play the podcast in double speed so you can get your life back. life back. It's one of the caveats of the show. If we've never met before, my name is Sam Saggers and I simply share information on the property market, on investing. I am a property investor first. Uh, I help people find capital growth in the market, strong rental returns, possible little hotspots. And of course, I'm a big believer in the idea that today, the transformation of society is leading people into more lifestyle-orientated investments. I think that's divided into three pockets, urban lifestyle, tree-change lifestyle, and sea-change lifestyle. And if you can get yourself a piece of that, you're going to make money out of the real estate economy. Today, though, we're going to talk about superannuation, a very tricky topic to talk about because As I alluded to, I am not licensed to give you advice on superannuation. So what I'm about to tell you is simply my story when it comes to superannuation. And I'm going to give you some general background as to what a self-managed superannuation fund is and a little bit of my story about buying my own property inside of a superannuation fund I went and set up. Now, no two human beings are alike, and my story is definitely different to your story. So as I will constantly talk about in this podcast, if you're going to set up a self-managed super fund, please go and get financial advice uh, from a financial advisor. Make sure you're uh, actually qualified, suitable, of the appropriate age to set up a superannuation fund. Do not listen to this podcast and then set up a superannuation fund. Go and speak to someone who knows what they're talking about. As I alluded to, I'm very often commenting on property, Gopniks, markets, uh, and I am not a financial advisor. But what I can tell you in the real world is most people are undercapitalized when it comes to their retirement position. Most people are just not investing fast and hard enough to end up financially free. And it, 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 the maths does not lie. As we know, into the future, future trends of society is going to see minimal wage growth. And for the most part, most people, because of the high cost of uh, property in Australia can just not buy enough real estate to get ahead. And a lot of people 
don't even think about real estate from an investment principle. They think of it more from shelter, a family home, a place of love and connection, as opposed to an uh, asset which can pay you rent and you can live off the rent. So as I often commentate on this show, you know, the big number that a lot of people want in this world that I speak to is $100,000 passive income in retirement. To own $100,000 passive income in retirement, to live debt-free, to pay off your own family home and have another $100,000 of income-producing assets, at a minimum, we're going to need around $2 million worth of real estate assets paying around a 5% return to spit out $100,000 passive income. So one of the ways to achieve that is to buy properties in your own name, minimize your tax, but also potentially if your financial advisor suggests you can do so, work on your superannuation fund, whether that's working on it with derivatives, equities, crypto, whether it's working on it with property. I'll let you talk to a financial advisor about that. But absolutely, you can buy real estate inside your own superannuation fund. You can own real estate in your superannuation fund, which returns you uh, retirement income. And I'm going to talk to you about my own situation, my own super situation, which I'm still working on. So I don't end up a statistic, which today is 63% of people over the age of 65 are currently on the pension. A lot of people are also caught in this middle section where they kind of have uh, not enough assets to be financially free in retirement, but are a little bit better than the pension and fundamentally uh, can't qualify for the pension. So though the pension pays like, you know, nothing, I think it's $27,000 a year per couple, uh, some people are basically have assets which produce the equivalent to the pension and therefore they don't qualify for the pension. What we need to do is really jump ahead and, and obviously to get perhaps a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars coming in passive would be bloody brilliant because hey, have you looked at the price of a holiday on, you know, the QE2 lately? You're gonna drop forty eight thousand dollars for a, you know, fifty-two day uh, adventure across planet Earth. Uh, if you want to live a good life, you're going to need money. And uh, let's face it, a million dollars ain't what it used to be. Uh, a six-figure salary ain't what it used to be. Uh, we all think, um, you know, a six-figure salary and a million dollars is, is sounds great. Well, it's not really. Um, you've It's expensive out there. Look at how the cost of our property markets to live in a nice part of of our cities where the beautiful lifestyle precincts are. And when you get to the end of your life, I think it's, you know, it's an important conversation that retirement is, is really a lifestyle conversation. Retirement, the word retirement, um, we often think about it as well. It's, you know, a dollar figure, but it's actually a lifestyle. It's how we're going to live 
Are we going to be in Lake Guido? Will we be, uh, you know, fighting old grey army uh, compadres over the $16 campsite? I hope not, right? And it's not that I don't like camping. I love the bush. I go to the bush all the time. And I, I like the $16 campsite. But I also want to jet set over to Queenstown and jump on some slopes and ski. I don't want to be... Uh, you know, hemmed down. I don't want to be put inside a box. And I think wealth is a habit. I teach there are seven plans property investors need. First plan, capital growth plan. A lot of people forget this one. Buy real estate. They buy it on affordability. They buy because it makes them feel good. They know where it is. No capital growth plan. We're going to need the second plan, which is a rental growth plan. A lot of people do this one. Uh, they buy with the illusion that they're going to get huge amounts of rent increase. Oh, I'll just buy a property and uh, in 15 years, my $300 rent will be a $600 rent. Have you seen the minimum wage increase? It's a dollar per hour. It ain't happening. So you need a rental growth plan. I teach rental growth plans. I'll do a podcast on a rental growth plan come back and talk to you about that later. You need a tax minimization plan. A lot of real estate has built-in intrinsic value with tax. Uh, and if you're getting up every day and going to work and paying the tax man, that doesn't make sense to me. Why not keep the money you exchange your time for in uh, full or close to full? And you can do that. You can quite easily design a property plan which minimizes your tax. So when you go to work, you don't actually uh, pay tax or you pay close to zero tax. So property allows you to do that. And a lot of people forget that bit. I think when you're building a success plan around property investing, you need a debt reduction plan. How do you pay down debt? How do you end up on passive income? I like using properties I've paid off to pay off other properties. I, it's just my personal perspective. I've done a really good podcast on this. Um, I think it's podcast, I don't know, is podcast 37? No, can't be 37. I'll find the podcast by the end of this podcast and I'll direct you to that podcast. Uh, we need a buying plan, a buying power plan. We need a finance plan, right? If you want to uh, own a lot of capital in the market, you're going to need lenders to help you get where you need to go. And some of those lenders can help you with your superannuation. Uh, we're going to need an income plan in retirement, a financial plan. And, and really, as I alluded to, I am not a financial planner. And really, at the end of this podcast, I think you maybe should go and see a financial planner so that you can design your financial plan. Because there are seven plans I teach, capital growth, rental growth, tax minimization, debt reduction, and financial income plan in retirement, and a buying plan. And the final plan is an acceleration plan, which is uh, when you become a little bit of more of a sophisticated investor, you can do some trickier things when it comes to investment. I'll come back and do a podcast on that as well. And of course, I like to wrap these seven plans around uh, the bucket list right? We got to create some fun on our journey of being a property investor. We can't just eat peans and rice and hope. Um, we need to design this stuff. So if you've got these seven plans dialed, 
you're going to design a really good wealth experience. If you do not have one of the seven plans dialed, I guarantee you, you're probably going a little bit sideways. And as we know, we get old pretty fast and going sideways actually means we're going backwards. So we're here to talk about super. And again, here's the caveat. I'm not a financial advisor. I make fun of Gopniks. However, we are able to uh, set up what is known as a super fund that we manage by ourselves. We become the trustee or the person in charge of the super fund and we make the decisions of what and where and how the money inside that superannuation fund is spent. Now, again, not everyone qualifies to run their own superannuation fund. This is why you need to talk to a financial advisor, potentially uh, owning a, your own superannuation fund or running your own superannuation fund is a bad decision for you. If you can't manage a thousand bucks, you're not going to be able to manage your own superannuation fund. But basically, a self-managed fund is exactly that. It's just a structure, uh, which is your super. It's set up in a trust structure and you become fundamentally the person running the structure. You can invest in cash assets, managed funds, shares, equities, crypto, uh, term deposits. You can invest in commercial property. You can invest in uh, property domestically in residential. And uh, really one of the, the ideas of it is that basically you uh, start to take control or ownership of your own retirement uh, direction, right? That's, that's the simple reason you do it. And as you can imagine, a lot of people, again, can't even tie their own shoelaces, let alone be in charge of their own retirement direction. But a lot of people can. And if you can, you should... Taken, uh, you should definitely speak to a financial advisor and see if they agree with you and maybe set up a super fund that you control. Obviously, the more retail or industry super funds, um, again, some of them do a great job. There are some really good returns coming in from many of the groups. I, I love CBUS. I'm a fan of CBUS. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm a fan of CBUS. Um, I like their work. I think they do some some good things. I personally, you know, when it comes to industry funds, I do not like industry funds that invest in, for example, non-renewable energy. Um, see, what happens with these industry funds is a lot of people do not even look into what they uh, what they do behind the scenes. And again, um, when it comes to industry funds, and retail funds, um, you know, there are some advantages. Probably the biggest advantage is obviously pooled money. You know, there's a lot of money floating around in industry funds and and they can buy things at a far more commercial rate than you and I can, you know, at a street level. You know, we are down the food chain. So obviously having your money in an industry fund is fairly simple. In fact, uh, you know, really your employer, the person you work for 
takes care of it for the most part and puts money into that fund that you've nominated, really there is there is not a lot of responsibility from your point of view. The polar opposite, if you run your own fund, you're in charge, the buck stops with you, there's responsibility, there's account keeping, um, and obviously financial planners also offer a kind of service where they will kind of help quasi-run it with you um, by offering you, um, you know, products to buy, products to trade and accounting behind the scenes to help you run and facilitate your own superannuation fund. Uh, Definitely, I think for a lot of people in society, industry funds is where they should go. Like I, sometimes I see this in the property market all the time. Like why is this wombat even in the property market? Uh, some people, you know, love the, the, the theory of property and as soon as they get into the property market, they break. You know, if that's you, if you're listening, just stay out of the property market. You know, we don't want you because all you do is cause problems. Uh, you basically push property values down because you panic and sell at a loss. I think if you, if you honestly, if, if it's all too complicated, the best place for you is to pump, you know, money into your superannuation fund in a retail level. Um, and yeah, just, just line it up that way, right? Line up your retirement that way. Uh, however, if you feel a bit, uh, you know, capable of, um, of having, uh, your own superannuation fund. It it's certainly something, and I'm going to share my story, which you can map out and plan alongside a financial planner. Now, obviously, there are pros and cons to everything. There are trade offs to everything. And again, I'm not a financial advisor for the fifty fifth time. Um, so go and work it out if a superannuation fund is for you. But I do like the idea of property and I like the idea of leverage. I think leverage is probably the best thing about real estate. The fact that I can, um, you know, take $100,000 and turn that into $500,000 immediately through leverage and get a return on leverage is really the principle of real estate. And Banks, obviously government, everyone has a bit of a vested interest in in this thing called real estate. It is a bit of a big rock and it is probably the best vehicle for leverage. Uh, Most people in the property market kind of see it as safe and so the leverage is generally really, really good. In your own name in Australia, you can borrow as an investor and pay mortgage insurance 90%. Um, you can typically usually get a property loan at 80% um, and, you know, you're, you're home and host. Inside of super, leverage is, is what it's about as well. Like buying a property and getting a loan is what typically most people do in super. But it's not about uh, certainly, you know, full leverage. Like it's typical if you were to get a home loan in super, um, you would, you know, get a 60, 50, 60 or 70% loan to value ratio. So uh, again, it's a little bit different to perhaps buying in your own name. The idea with super is controlling the debt using the rents. And I'll explain my story. So potentially it can help you go in the direction uh, you you may want to go and speak to a, a financial advisor. 
But obviously, you know, when financial advisors have to weigh up the risk, um, certainly they are taking into consideration volatility. Um, Australian shares has volatility. We know the share market can go up and down pretty quickly if there is, you know, an overnight worldwide, you know, something happens. We see that all the time. You know, the stock market um, is really, really good, but it has those sort of, you know, one in four year moments when it just sort of tanks overnight, drops by 30, 40%, usually recovers. Um, and we see that a lot, right? In shares, uh, in bonds, um, we don't see the volatility. So bonds are very safe. And cash is obviously safe, but it diminishes. There's a diminishing return because of a little thing known as inflation. You know, if you put money in cash in the bank, um, what it's worth today is not going to be what it's worth two years from now. The same money won't have the same buying power. So really, as uh, an investor, um, one of the things which is is a decision is obviously risk. And generally, real estate, uh, for the most part, is less volatile than many other asset classes, but it is not the least volatile. Certainly, cash in the bank is probably the least volatile compared to uh, real estate and, of course, shares. So, with the general concept of superannuation, I'm just talking general concept today, is you basically are going to run your own fund and you're going to choose the assets. Now, let's just assume for kicks and giggles, because this is a property show, we're going to go and choose a property. Uh, we need to understand that running a superannuation fund has a setup cost, has an ongoing accountancy fee, um, you are responsible for the fund, even though you might take advice from an advisor. Um, there is uh, sort of uh, the idea that, you know, you need to be very responsible in this space. So you need to be very, very across the decisions you're going to map out for yourself. A couple of general questions I always get when it comes to people um, talking about super. Can you build a home in super? The short answer is no. Uh, you cannot, for example, do a house and land package in super or buy a block of land and build a home on it. Um, and fundamentally, uh, you know, super is best designed for a one-part contract or something built and ready to be occupied. The reason um, for that is obviously a builder and real estate are two different things. So the superannuation rules do not want you paying a builder who may not build your home. Uh, simple as that, right? Can you live in the property? Well, no, you can't. It's got to be for investment purposes, right? So you can't go, oh, great, I've got uh, superannuation, I'll just go and buy a home to live in and um, yeah, that's that. it doesn't work like that, right? So obviously, superannuation, it's a different entity to you, um, but and it is designed to, to make a return on investment. And remember, you know, some of the, the hidden things here is superannuation began in 1991. Uh, will the pension exist in 2045? I don't know, um, because the as the baby boomers die off, um, really – 
anyone who's been in their working life, really Gen X, Gen Y, uh, have had full exposure to super, whereas it's argued the baby boomers never had full exposure to super. So you can't really just eliminate the pension, right? So we're going to take this stuff seriously because potentially the pension will be just sidelined for very vulnerable people as opposed to, you know, everyone who ticks over 65 who's, uh, you know, basically spent their last 40 years in the local RSL. So uh, you can't build. Uh, generally, when it comes to to renovations, um, you can do sort of smaller stuff, but it's not, again, not designed for um, – you know, it's really not designed to do major structural renovations in super. You can pay bills, you can, you know, do a, do a painting job, really just smaller capital costs. And this is why some of the newer properties are really important inside of, um, of super because, you know, they just have less ongoing expenses as you are operating a fund, okay? Um can you, if your property goes up inside a super, can you recycle equity? No, it's not designed to be this highly leveraged debt bomb. Super is designed to be paid off. What you want to try and do um, is is fundamentally, uh, you know, get to a complete debt-free life. And so recycling equity in super is not a thing, right? It's a bit different for property investors in their own name. They're like buying real estate, trying to get growth, trying to tap the equity, trying to go again, um, you know, building this asset in the marketplace. But there are ways, cool ways, which I'm working on to become debt-free um, in real estate. And so obviously um, when it comes to real estate, there are uh, – some cool things you can do, which I'll, I'll talk to you about. But you should speak to a financial advisor if you want to understand contributions. Obviously, I'll just map it out quickly. You've got um, PAYG, right? So if you have a job, you know, I think it's 9.5%. I think it's jumping up to 10% soon, is going into your superannuation fund. So 10% of your salary is going into your superannuation fund. You can choose to salary sacrifice. So let's say you're making $100,000 a year. Uh, $10,000 is your your um, company is paying into super, 10%, right? Let's just call it 10%. Um, however, there is a threshold as a general rule. I think it's twenty-five dollars or $30,000. Double check with your financial advisor that you can top it up. So you can make extra contributions um, and fundamentally throw in about $25,000 or 30, I can't remember. So you check with your financial advisor into superannuation. And uh, this is a great way to bolster the overall um, amount of super you have as well as the exposure that super is creating. Even in an industry fund, you can do that, right? So... Uh, and you can also make a contribution into super, a one-off contribution. Again, check with your financial advisor. Last time I looked, it was about $300,000, a one-off tax-free contribution. Anything over and above those two, the one-off and the yearly, um, you're going to be 
penalized from tax. So basically, uh, the tax department, the ATO, doesn't want people just flooding money into super, hiding it and parking it and laundering money into super. Um, so there's some rules around it. And again, this is why I think it's really important that you start to learn the responsibilities of owning your own super fund and also potentially go and see a financial advisor to help you see if it's the right thing for you. And they're going to look at things like how much time you've got left to work. How old are you? What is your super balance and how much do you make? And if one of those things is a bit weird, you're probably not going to be able to, you know, jazz up a super fund and tear off in your own direction to buy real estate, right? So I'm going to tell you my real estate story. And man, I'm getting hot. Bloody hell. This, uh, this, you know, this bloody winter, you don't have a cold or cold. Anyway, throwing the jacket off. Hang on a sec. Might have a sip of water. Remember, I'm not licensed to give financial advice. So my super story is my super story. No two people are alike. Um, this might, yeah, not even work for anyone, right? But it's working for me. So I'll give you some background, right? Probably the first seven years of my economic life with my own super fund, I had no idea what it was. I didn't really care about it. Um, I went, you know, through a few different jobs and I wasn't really even tracking it. Um, basically, when I would start a job, you know, the, the employer would just give me a form and I would sign it. Now, I guarantee you I've probably got a couple of thousand bucks of super. I have no idea where it is. Um, and I should probably track it down. Um, the second, I guess, what would we call that, seven years of my economic life, I uh, got involved in starting various businesses. And as such, I didn't really have a PAYG salary. And as such, not having a PAYG salary, I was not um, collecting superannuation and so by the time I was about sort of 35 my superannuation balance was was very low now remember I teach seven principles to investment you need seven plans as a property investor capital growth plan rental growth plan tax minimization plan debt reduction plan you need a buying uh, power plan, you need a wealth acceleration plan, and you need a retirement plan. Of the seven plans which create a bucket list, um, six of them I'm nailing. Six of them I'm just crushing. I've got um, wealth acceleration plans, I've got capital growth plans, I've got rental growth plans. I'm doing really well except for this thing which is this financial plan which is another vehicle it's me but it's it's a new version of me it's like i can have two lives and this is this thing called superannuation it's my second life it's my second me and at around 35 i started to go you know what i should probably give a shit about this second life i've spent so much time building me in you know parallel universe one now I should concentrate on parallel universe two, super, my superannuation. And so, as you can imagine, a little bit embarrassing. At age 35, I didn't have much super, right? 
And so uh, I scraped some pennies together. Um, I had at the time around $100,000 in superannuation. And a lot of that um, was just, a, you know, a contribution I made um, to bolster it. It wasn't fundamentally the 10% PAYG variation um, because I wasn't paying myself a wage. So when you, you know, quite often when you start a business, you eat last and, and really one of the things when I first got involved with the business at, at uh, you know, the businesses I've got, you know, I wasn't making money. I, I was hanging out at Hare Krishna temples where uh, the good Hare Krishna community would give free meals at the end of the day um, and meals for like circa $4. You could have a beautiful Indian curry uh, for $4 in in uh, Hare Krishna temples. So I was kind of like cash flow broke when I was starting businesses and, you know, let alone putting money into super, I was, I was literally scraping pennies from the couch going to Hare Krishna temples for a curry. So... Again, when you, you're in that mode, you're going, well, uh, I've got to fix Parallel World 1, you know, Parallel World 2. I mean, what are we even talking about, superannuation? So by 35, I kind of like decided, you know, this is it. Let's get on with it. Um, it's time to, you know, I'm getting old. We've got to fix uh, the seventh part of this um, investment puzzle which is, was the retirement part. And I know if I can create this complete wheel of the seven plans that absolutely, you know, there is no question I'm going to end up um, financially wealthy and probably retired, you know, um, you know, in my mid-50s, which is, which is really what I'm aiming for. I mean, I don't want to work forever. I like talking about property, but, you know, do I really want to be 65, you know, doing a podcast? Probably not, right? I think I'd like to become a YouTuber. I want to become a YouTuber. I want to walk the earth like Kung Fu YouTubing. And uh, hopefully someone would be interested in my tales. So uh, I'm 35. I've got $100,000 in super. And naturally, the only thing I understand is property. Um, I'm not a great equities guy. Uh, every time I invest in the share market, I'm probably more prone to lose money than make money. Um, I've done some dabbling in crypto. It's like It feels like I'm at the races. I'm just basically, I don't know if it's going to go up. I don't know if it's going to go down. Um, I've done some dabbling in other things, but I'm not a master of other things. And so for me, real estate was an easy choice because my background has always been property. So for me, I put in... Um, I had $100,000. I set up my own self-managed super fund and I went looking for a cheap property that I could buy on uh, basically a 70% loan-to-value ratio. And as you can imagine, um, this was, I don't know, circa 2011 or something like that. And I needed to look for something sort of sub $300,000 to qualify for the loan. And... Uh, I eventually found a property which I was really happy to buy. Um, there was a couple of reasons I liked the property. It had a very good capital growth score in my book. It had a capital growth plan. 
Um, it also had a rental growth plan. It could be used as a mixed contemporary mixed-use asset. Where it was located had very good walk score. It was located in New Farm, which is a beautiful old suburb, kind of like Kirribilli is in Sydney. Um, it's a suburb in Brisbane. It's like literally on the doorstep of the CBD. And of course, owning real estate close on the doorstep to the CBD in a historical suburb, you know, usually leads to a little bit of uplift when it comes to growth. And certainly from a rental growth point of view, um, the asset is really well positioned for both short stay, things like Airbnb, which I've used in the property um, over time. Uh, when COVID hit, I just reverted back to norm normality. Um, when I look back on that decision with people traveling and so forth um, and lockdowns, I'm pretty happy with that decision. But I would like to go back to um, I would like to go back to short stay. And the reason being is the rent is just so much better. But for the time being, um, as we go through the pandemic, I'm just chilling out, making my life easy. But the property is, if you've ever been to Brisbane, basically on the cliff above Howard Smith Wharf, which is kind of one of the grooviest little pockets in Brisbane. And the street, uh, the street it's in, was voted Brisbane's best street uh, about seven years ago. So it's a really good location, really good property. It's right next to the river. Um, I get sneaky little views of the Story Bridge it's a cheap property. I bought it sub $300,000 um, and it's done wonders for my superannuation, my own personal story. Remember, I went into this thing with $100,000. I got to leverage and own real estate um, and, you know, buy something sub three hundred. dollars So look at that leverage already. I've gone from one hundred dollars to sub three hundred. dollars and then I started to work out how to pay off the debt. For me, the principle of buying is just my story was not capital, like capital growth is a bonus, but what if I could pay off the debt of this real estate quickly? For me, that was the ultimate outcome of my superannuation story. I wanted to own the real estate debt free and do it quickly. Now, remember, uh, in my particular situation, and this is very common for many people who borrow money in super, you get a lower loan to value ratio. So it's very common for people to buy on a 50, 60, 70% loan to value ratio. The reason for that is you want the rent fundamentally paying down the debt. So you want to be positively geared is often the word or terminology. But the cool thing is with superannuation, you can gear it so the rent is superior than, than the debt. And in my situation, I was getting basically around a $400 a week rent. And at the time when I began, I had a debt of around $200,000. So you can see that's a 10% return already. But then you can layer in some other things like creating an offset account. An offset account basically allows you to mathematically not pay interest on the money which is stored in the offset account. So I was getting some, at this time, I finally paying myself a wage. I wasn't, uh, I haven't been to the Hare Krishna temple in a while. should go back and thank all those lovely Hare Krishnas who helped me um, back in the day. 
so the PAYG that I get, obviously I'm getting a 9.5%, 10% um, contribution. I was starting to throw that into my offset. And again, it's like this kind of pendulum. It's like a seesaw. All of a sudden the extra went and the extra um, contributions started to weigh up very nicely that I was uh, fundamentally getting more income than the expensives and starting to debt bust, um, really pay down the debt. So then I started to ramp up my contributions. Remember, you can put up to twenty-five dollars or $30,000. I can never remember. Speak to your financial advisor. I am not a financial advisor. Go and see a financial advisor. But I could put up to $25,000 into the fund. So I would create the maximum contributions. Remember, my debt when I began was circa two hundred. dollars By doing four years of contributions of $25,000, into the fund, I'm already offsetting uh, $100,000. Four times 25 is 100, initial debt 200. So four years in, I am literally um, uh, offsetting half of the debt. Remember the rent is 400, now my loan is on 100. So now I'm getting $400 smashing the debt on this $100,000 asset uh, sorry, this $300,000 asset, which has a debt of $100,000, I'm smashing it down using the rent. Now, that is very hard to understand if you're visual. If you're visual, you've probably switched off the podcast, you've left the podcast, but I think you're starting to get the p- picture. There are literally kind of three forms of debt busting here. There is the rent being superior to the debt. There is your PAYG contribution there is your extra PAYG contributions and you bundle that into an offset. By 2018, um, about eight years later, I had pay, I've paid out the debt to St. George Bank. It was a big moment. Um, and literally uh, today, the asset has gone up in value, $140,000 more than what I paid for it. The rents um, today, if I uh, did uh, a, a look, um, you know, I can get $440 a week. I'm currently getting $400. Um, I should put my rents up. So I've got to, got to work on that. But I've got a pretty good tenant who, who, um, who, is, uh, who is pretty good. But also on Airbnb, normally I could get around $600 a week, right? Just short stay. It's just... Just one thing I bought this for. So I got the asset basically debt free. It's now worth over 400. Remember, I paid under 300 and I'm getting $400 a week rental income. So that's $1,600 a month. And uh, I have no debt on it. So each $1,600 a month, I'm now investing in things with. I'm literally getting $1,600 a month. Um, I have no debt and I can invest. This is 2018. So each month in from 2018 onwards, I've been throwing money into the share market. Um, I've been buying equities. I've been buying all sorts of shares. And for the last three years, since I've had the property debt free, I've continued my contributions 
Um, I've made a one-off contribution into my super, uh, which you can do. Remember, you can put up to $300,000 as a one-off contribution into super. Go see your financial advisor. And I've been throwing, um, obviously, I've been building this nest egg of of, uh, shares, which I recently just um, cashed in. And now... I'm ready to go again. I'm going to buy another property. I've put my name down to buy a property. I've entered contract. Um, And this is a rinse and repeat for me strategy. So uh, I hope you're still sticking with me here. Um, The property I've chosen this time though is uh, basically a terrace house. It's in the housing section of the market. It's in Middle Ring, Brisbane. Um, It's designed beautifully it's an architectural masterpiece it's eco it's it's got solar it's got car charges man this thing is pimping when it comes to its environmental rating um and it is designed for the green economy of tomorrow however for this property i'm uh, paying seven hundred thousand dollars i'm putting two hundred and forty thousand dollars of my super in cash into the deal Remember, I still own the new farm property outright. However, the three years between owning that property outright and 2021, I've been collecting rent. I've been uh, putting my um, super contributions in and I've made a one-off contribution, which is now $240,000 cash I'm putting into this deal. So my debt on that deal is $450,000. The new property Middle Ring, Brisbane, the beautiful eco property. My debt, four fifty-five. The what I paid for it, seven hundred thousand dollars. The cool thing is the rent on the eco property is seven hundred dollars a week, which is great, right? Because all all of a sudden I've got a seven hundred dollar a week debt. Sorry, it's rent on a four hundred and fifty-five thousand dollar debt. However. I also have $400 a week and I'm speaking gross numbers here. Obviously, there's some costs you've got to take out for your insurance and repairs and fees and so forth, council fees. I'm speaking gross, but I just think it's an easy way to talk you through this on a podcast. So uh, I've now got $700 a week gross rent from the Eco Village. I've got $400 from from the new farm property. That's $1,100 a week on a debt of $455,000. That return is 12.5%. So do you think I'm going to be able to debt bust this property? Now, I'm going to use some easy maths. Um, For a $455,000 loan on an interest rate of 5%, and because inside of Super, you kind of have to borrow money at a higher rate than your own name. Today, in our own name, we can borrow for an investment property at like 3%. But to buy a property using Super, it's a lot higher. So it's about 5%. They charge you more. But using some easy maths, a $455,000 debt on a 5% interest rate spread across 30 years, principal and interest, my regular repayment is $600 per week, $600 per week. Remember, my fund is collecting $1,100 a week, okay? So there's a $500 a week difference. The $500 a week difference, just to remind you, which is probably annoying you by now, 
is because I own the new farm property outright. I get $400 a week outright every week um, to, to, op, to create a situation where I'm, ca- I'm going through this sort of debt reduction plan. Remember, I started when I was 35. I'm giving myself a bandwidth of 20 years to get a result from superannuation. And I'm doing it through property. So the regular repayment, $600 a week. I'm getting $1,100 a week. Obviously, there's $500 a week to um, put in an offset or to uh, create a, um, you know, uh, to pay extra repayments, right? Because I can make extra repayments of $500 a week, the loan period or the loan time saved on a 30-year loan is 19 years and 11 months, basically 20 years. So I can now pay off this property in 10 years flat using basically the extra income from the asset I've paid out and basically debt bust. But it doesn't stop there. Think about what I've been saying. You can take around $25,000 per annum, go see your financial advisor, and uh, whack it into super. And so a lot of that already comes out of your PAYG um, that you earn. If you're earning $100,000 a year, your $10,000 is is uh, coming out and going into super. You can top that up. So by topping it up, which is what I'm doing um, or planning to do, uh, is to is basically another $500 a week. So remember, $500 a week is coming from my 12.5% return using the property in New Farm collectively with the property in Middle Ring, Brisbane. Um, And I'm now topping that up with $500 a week. So I'm basically throwing $1,000 a week in debt-busting strategies to make extra payments into an offset um, on the new property I just bought the 400 with with a debt of $455,000. So the long and the short of it, I can now pay off that property in basically six years and five months. Why? Because each week I throw $1,000 at debt busting. Now you'll notice I'm not talking about capital growth. I'm not, I don't care if the property uh, that I or the property portfolio that I just put together doubles in value. I mean, it'd be great, but I can't use the equity. So what's the point in even talking about it? Um, however, I mean, obviously I could sell it off and, and live off um, that sold income later in life if it does go up in value. But at the end of my 20-year superannuation journey of running my own fund, my goal is to own those two properties outright. And I'm on target to do that. I will basically end up with after, remember the first 15 years of my economic life with superannuation, I did not have much, right? I had not, like I was not putting myself in the best possible position. And again, if you're 20 years of age and listening to this, maybe go and see a financial advisor because you'll be so far ahead of many of us uh, people who were financially illiterate until um, we woke up perhaps 15 years after we should have. So, uh, you know, all power to you. I see you on TikTok. I see you 15-year-olds buying $300 worth of Bitcoin. Power to you, man. Taking an interest. I'm all for it. Um, you know, crack on as young as possible. 
So at the end of my 20-year plan, remember I really started when I was 35. Um, I'm basically 46 at the moment. And by 55 years of age, over the next 10 years, I will be paying off that property. I plan to do it in seven, um, but at the very least, it'll happen in 10. Why? Because I've got income. I'm using the rent of one property to pay off the debt of another property. It's like this rinse and repeat formula that I love creating. So at the end of my plan, I'm going to have basically on today's value, I'm just using today's value, $1,140,000 worth of real estate producing gross $57,200 in rent. Uh, that again is just outweighs the pension by double, right? I've already outweighed the pension in by double. The good thing about superannuation is your income in retirement is tax-free. So that $57,200 in rent is tax-free. I'm not paying tax on that. Whereas my income, which is far superior outside of my superannuation fund, I'm going to pay income tax on. So there's a lot of advantages to setting something up inside of your superannuation fund. Obviously, property is a great vehicle. And of course, it let's assume there was, say, 20% capital growth over the next 10 years on the assets. That means really my assets are worth 1.36 in the super fund. And my rent, if it got 20% growth, would be closer to $70,000 passive income tax-free inside my superannuation fund. Again, a pretty cool result. I am on my way to go and collect. And to put that in context, someone who is 55 years of age um, normally has, if they're female, who get really rorted around $207,000 in their super. Remember, females get rorted because they take time out quite often to um, have you know, raise a family. And of course, there is a lot of inequity when it comes to the jobs market where ladies get paid less than men. Uh, male, the average is $311,000 by age 55 in super. The collective average is $259,000 in super, according to uh, the industry um, standard, right? So the average person when they're 55 years of age, has $250,000 in super. My personal super plan is going to mean I'm actually probably going to end up with closer to $1.4 million in super, punching out $70,000 passive. Now, remember, the $250,000, which is the standard, um, on a 5% return is you know, throwing out $250 per week. My superannuation um, uh, fund will really throw out well over $1,200 a week. So it is a big difference in the result by actually having a bit of a plan. And again, I think um, the Australian property market, it's got a proven history of growth and resilience. I certainly think, um, you know, buying real estate in the wrong area inside of your super fund would be catastrophic. There are some train wreck places in Australia where you need to avoid. 
Uh, certainly, I think many property markets are going up because rates have gone down, not because people have a good uh, wage versus value in the marketplace. The the wages versus house prices is something I'm always looking at. I want um, to buy real estate in a very safe environment where people can afford inflation. Um, and I certainly think many pockets of society and many real estate communities do not offer that. So I wouldn't just rush out and buy any property. And this is where I think, uh, again, when it comes to superannuation and real estate, go and see someone who is licensed to give you advice. Today, I just wanted to share my story so you can see a live example of someone who is mapping this stuff out not for the result, rather for the fact that I'm actually mapping it out and so many people, um, I think, fail to plan at even that part of the puzzle. So do yourself a favour, um, actually give a shit about your super if it's in an industry fund or a uh, uh, your own fund. I'll leave that to your decision and your financial advisor's decision. For me now, I'm signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.